What's up, everyone? Welcome to your favorite photography podcast, Oh Shoot. I interviewed Ashton Brooke, who is a full-time wedding photographer and educator based in Naples, Florida. So in this episode, we talked all about going full-time in photography, which I feel like is a really big pain point with photographers today. We talked about booking, how to book locally, and we even touched on social media and how to advertise yourself on social media to reach your ideal client. So give it a listen, and I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Hi, everyone. So today we are talking with one of my friends, Ashton Brooke. Um, She is based in Naples, Florida, um, but I'm going to let her introduce herself to you and tell all of you just a little bit about herself. So Ashton, take it away. Hi. Oh my gosh. Thank (laughs) you for having me. First of all, this is so fun. Uh, You're right. I'm in Naples, Florida. I was just telling Cassidy right before I'm like, trying to get out of Florida during the summer because it's just constantly breathing in shower steam in the summer. So, (laughs) um, I like to get out, but yes, I am located in Naples, um, shooting weddings full time and doing education also like full time Mm -hmm. on the side. I don't know. How do you like say that? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like having your nine to five, but also doing photography, you know how, yeah, it's the same thing. (laughs) things so right yeah I'm so excited to chat I know girls same okay so before we even start talking about photography this might catch you off guard because I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this but I I want you to talk to me about your relationship with LaCroix (laughs) oh my gosh good question (laughs) okay so oh gosh a cut like years ago actually I just I love LaCroix. I know people have such a love-hate relationship with it. You are either on one side of the spectrum or complete opposite. So I love it. Husband and I love it. And I started, I think like a long time ago in my bio, I said like, we'll travel for LaCroix. (laughs) My brides would like start having LaCroix there for me at their weddings. And I would post about it. And someone who followed me worked for LaCroix and they were like, Hey, I can like put you on our, uh, like mailing list basically for our marketing stuff. And I was like, are you kidding? Yes. And so like months later I get this LaCroix box show up in my house and it's like, they're, they do like quarterly promo stuff. And I was like, I'm I'm a LaCroix influencer. You are, you literally are. (laughs) So that's, that's my relationship. Someone just happened to follow me and they put me on their list and now I get free stuff from them. Really funny yeah that's so funny because you kind of like associated yourself with them a little bit and then they just like ran with it I know it's you never know who's gonna follow you and be like hey I know someone who can hook you up with the good stuff so that's right how it all, that's all, I don't like get free LaCroix all the time I just get their boxes right but that's that's literally so cool okay I just wanted everyone to know that about funny. that yeah because it just kind of like I feel like it just describes you really well like the LaCroix that's like your I'm a, lo- I'm a lo- big big fan yeah Yes. Cool. So, um, 
if you like wouldn't mind just telling us a little bit about like how you got into photography just a little bit about how it all started yes so my husband when Will and I got married I just kind of wanted like a hobby I you know was actually still um working on my degree at the time and wanted a camera like a nicer camera just to like document our life and traveling together and so I got like my first DSLR which I was super clueless about my friend um I bought it from a friend who kind of helped me learn manual and just started taking pictures of our life and I was posting from like posting pictures on Facebook, basically from my nice camera. Nice. You know, (laughs) I literally paid like $350, right? (laughs) but it wasn't iPhone pictures at the time. This was back in 2015, 2014, 2015. And had a friend from high school be like, Hey, can you shoot our engagement session? Which I was completely blown. Like I had not posted any like people basically. Um, was freaking out, but I said, yes, I made that friend shoot with me who I bought the camera from. We were super nervous, super clueless. (laughs) But after that shoot, they were like, Hey, would you guys want to shoot our wedding? And I was like, like on the spot, they hadn't seen any photos. And I was like, are you kidding? I was like, yes, I do. I would love that. Um, and then a month later, another friend from high school who had just kind of seen like you know, kind of my creative side through these photos I just posted about life was like, our photographer backed out. Can you shoot our wedding? And I said, absolutely. Yes. Um, again. So I basically went into a wedding, my first wedding a month after she asked clueless, I borrowed another friend's DSLR, put that in Will's hand. And I was like, you're going to second shoot with me. (laughs) And we showed up. I mean, I was clueless. I shot in JPEG. I had one lens the whole time. I didn't even have stuff like I was very, very underprepared. And it's, yeah, you know, we all kind of have those regrets of like, I didn't even back up properly. Right. You just, you got lucky. <laughs> right. Like I delivered their photos, but I could not locate any of them anymore. So, um, from that point, it just kept like having a little bit of interest and having things to post about a lot of word of mouth of just people who knew me and see, had kind of seen me shoot some of those weddings, um, slowly started asking and, uh, about a year after we moved from Ohio to Florida. And so that market of like, I had never left Ohio. That was like my pool of people that I grew up with and went to college and high school with. So that was really my market and then completely brand new market. I knew zero people and, um, I, I didn't want to keep working I had a social work degree, um, worked in a foster care agency right out of college, but was like not super passionate about it. And then when we moved to Florida, six months later, I was like, I really, really want to do this. I have no like bookings down here. I had some back in Ohio to fly home to, but I just could not get like shake the feeling of like, I love this. This is fun. I was nervous as heck, but just um, kind of kept going. And Will was a huge encourager for me, like honestly pushed me more than I pushed myself at times. Mm-hmm. He just, like saw my potential and, um, went for it. I just yeah. took the plunge, you know, like at some point you just take that really scary plunge. And yeah. How <laughs> you just, yeah. You just go full time and that's just, exactly. yeah. The rest is history. <laughs> yes. The rest is definitely history. So that's kind of how I got into it. Um, okay. 
Yeah. Cool. Um, so then you mentioned that you're into photography education. How did you kind of get into becoming an educator then? I posted a lot. So I always joke like in college and out of college, I was on Snapchat a lot and I just had <laughs> close friends on Snapchat and I posted a lot of just like stories to them. And I like, they were super myself. And when I, when Instagram stories came out, I pretty naturally transitioned to that. And I was just very myself Mm -hmm. kind of like I was on Snapchat to my close friends. I just started sharing and show showing up on stories like that. And I loved sharing about like the behind the scenes of photography as well. And sharing like tips and tricks that I loved. Um, I, I really credit a lot of my growth to the people who surrounded me and gave me their free advice yeah, um, to helping me literally like learn manual and how to do this and how to do that. And I also loved to just share and help other people as they were beginning and they felt clueless and they were just looking for kind of a shoulder to lean on. Right. Um, and so through sharing openly kind of about like what I was learning and what I had learned, had some people ask about like mentor sessions, which was really humbling. I was like, I don't, I don't know if I can help you, but I'm willing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got asked to speak at kind of a work, not a workshop, more of like a workshop slash retreat. Okay. And at that point, um, two other photographers, we just kind of became like all like three best friends. Uh-huh. We started a workshop. Um, our first workshop was January, 2019. And so we had three of those till the pandemic. And oh. then I sort of, <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Transitioned, um, to doing more like educational classes online, Mm -hmm. just shift and pivot. And so I was doing more online classes by myself at that point. So that's a little bit of my journey of education. I I love it. And not because I know it all, but because I have learned so much through other people and their education. And, um, I just, you know, it's that mentality, like we're all in this together and how can I help you and, mm-hmm. and serve you? Cause I've been served and helped and cared for right. along the way as well. Yeah. And I feel like when I started as a beginner, there were a lot of people that I really looked up to specifically on Instagram and to kind of then be able to be in that position where, you know, that people are like actually taking your tips seriously and they are like actually learning and growing from you. That's just like such a surreal feeling. It really is because I, I think that's where like imposter syndrome really hits too. It's like, what, I don't know that I can like do much. And then they're like, you have seriously helped my business. You've helped me go full time. You know, that's a Mm -hmm. really crazy humbling thing that someone has a job and they're successful and they're killing it. And, um, it's, it's beautiful. It's really crazy and, Mm -hmm. um, makes this job really fun um, aside from already doing what we love, like right. weddings. So yeah, yeah that's yeah. where I am now. I'm just, you know, I miss in, in person stuff, but I do love like how accessible online classes can be as well, where mentor mm-hmm. sessions can be right. virtual for anyone. And often that's a lot more affordable than flying yourself out to workshop and all of that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I really love how you've kind of like just pivoted based on like the circumstances too. Like that's just a really good Um, yeah, it's just a good trait to have like in business, like to be able to pivot like that. Um, you are obviously full-time in photography. So I wanted to talk a little bit more about, 
um, the transition to full-time, you specifically had um, a course um, called Full-Time Formula, right? Yeah. Okay. Which I love the alliteration. Like I'm so into that. Um, but I know a lot of people listening, um, probably are in this boat of like being part-time in photography, but not, um, ready or don't know if they're ready to take the step to being a full-time photographer. Um, so I guess when you kind of started photography and you wanted to transition, what were some of those like difficulties that you faced kind of transitioning through? Yeah. Good question. I look back, like I said, we had moved to Florida And I wasn't pumped about like using my degree at that point. Like my heart was just like my passion, my passion. (laughs) Um, And that's really hard to deny. It's really hard to suppress something that you feel like I can't stop thinking about it. And Mm. even, even when I was working in social work, I would come home from my job and soak up all the education I could, you know, learning how to edit, wanting to shoot more, just wanting to become the best I could. And that passion really carries you when you give it the time it's asking for. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I said, being in a new market was really scary and weird, but that like drive and that passion was so like on the forefront of my mind all the time. The struggle for me, and I'm going to venture to say most people who are part-time it's tough because you can't see it physically, but it's your mindset. Like it's Mm -hmm. the way you view yourself and your business potential. My husband was such a believer and cheerleader for me, almost to a fault where I was like, stop being so positive. (laughs) You're going to book 10 to 15 weddings, you know, this first year of being full time. And And at that time, 10 to 15 felt impossible being in a whole new state. And he just believed in, and pushed, you know, really being surrounded by people who believe in you. Number one is so important, but really addressing what you believe you can do. There's this really awkward time of life that maybe you even remember for yourself. Like you're, you're financially not there, Mm -hmm. but the time your business requires of you to be financially there means that you have to leave that 40 hour or whatever amount of work that you put into your current job and dedicate it and give your, your business, your photography business, the attention it needs for you to be financially stable. Exactly. Or you're probably working yourself to the ground and completely like depleted. And I was just like, okay, I have to stop working to give my job like 40, 50 hours, sometimes 60 hours a week so that I do see the fruit of that labor. And so there is this transition where it's like, you have to take that scary plunge. Mm -hmm. And I did that. And for some people, they don't have a partner or a spouse to lean on. And that is legit. And so I speak to that because I at least had um, his job that we weren't, you know, super, we weren't dependent on my income at the time. Yeah. Um, But that really was the place I look back and I think it was just in my head, like how much do I want this and how much am I going to let myself and my fears and my doubts and insecurities hold me back. Um, but I took that plunge and it's funny. Cause I remember him saying like, you're going to get 10 to 15 weddings. And I think I ended that year with like 18, which is, it was wild. I, I yeah. never believed. And so that also was such a pivotal time of like, when you put in that work and when you just move forward and it's scary, but like move forward with some of that, like belief in yourself. 
um, and put in that work and put that attention into your business, um, there's so much to come from it. And you just have to take that, that leap of faith, which I know Mm -hmm. is paralyzing for some people, but or you can say like, it's going to work because there's no other option, you know? Yeah. It does work. It does work. (laughs) Exactly. And like, I feel like when I was transitioning to full time, um, like you have this vision of like what you want to do, like you want to go full time and you want to be a full time photographer, whatever, but like it can't actually happen until you quit. And it's like the quitting is so scary because you truly don't know how it's going to turn out. Although I'm sure like tons of people are just super grateful. They went full time. Um, but yeah, it's just a very scary transition for sure. It is. And that's real. It's just overcoming that fear, which yes. is a lot of your mindset. So it is. Yeah, totally. Um, so if anyone that is listening, um, for those people that are listening, do you have any like advice that you could give them, um, for people that are wanting to go full time and they're just feeling a little bit discouraged? Oh gosh. It's <laughs> a loaded question because yes, there's so much advice. Um, right. I think really ask yourself, like, what do you have to lose? Because there's so much on the other side. And at the end of the day, no one else can convince you of that besides you. Mm -hmm. Um, There might be people around you or even your spouse. It's like, you can do this. You got this. But at the end of the day, like we are the ones who hold us back. Mm -hmm. Um, So really, really address and be willing to confront yourself and your fears. and also what's, what I remember about going full time is I look back and I'm like, gosh, I was so young in business. I wish that I would have been willing to invest more. Yeah. Um, I, at that time had not invested in any business education. I was very much investing in like the creative side and investing in my gear, which is right. good and fine. Mm-hmm. But the first time I invested in actual business education was life-changing. I was like, what have I been doing? People are helping me do the things that I felt like I was, you know, kind of like throwing spaghetti against the wall and seeing what would stick. And that's yeah. not like the way to run your business. <laughs> no, not at all. What's hard is when you're part-time, you're not making that much. You want to constantly upgrade your gear and it does take a lot of money to run this business. But if you can, at all costs, put mon- put as much money back into your business in the beginning as possible. Mm-hmm. Invest in education specifically on business because you can do so much with not a lot of gear. And I think right. that's something people don't talk a lot about is mm-hmm. if you have like as soon as possible a full frame and one nice lens, you can do so yeah. much. <laughs> So like put your money into how to have a killer website, how to really kill it on social media, uh, how to be organized in your business and get more leads and serve your clients and get your name out. Like that's, what's going to bring you the money. You don't need a second cam. Like you don't need a killer second camera body or, you know, the next version of whatever, like Mm -hmm. you can so much with what you have, but really get over the fear of investing in education And that's really where I think your business is going to take off quicker Mm -hmm. and it's going to come back to you. You're going to make a lot more. You're going to feel more financially stable because you're booking a lot more. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of photographers, I feel like focus on the technical aspect of like doing good photography, like being a good photographer is going to get me more business, but there's the business owner side that they don't think about where it's like, 
I have to know how to run a business. I know have to know how to market myself, how to um, showcase my work, how to effectively communicate to my audience. And, you know, that that doesn't come with being a photographer. That's just being a business owner. And that's where you were saying, like, that business education comes in, like, where it's just super helpful to helping you, you know, succeed in that area. Okay, so um, for, like, tools and resources, I, I wanted to talk about, like, some things that I guess helped you when you transitioned to being full-time or like, I guess now as you're full-time, um, like just what are some tools slash resources that have been helpful for you? So kind of going back to the beginning, like honestly, having people around you that you can lean on and there's not this like yucky relationship sometimes it's like, can you bounce ideas off of each other? How can you support each other? Those were super, super vital. And they're still vital to me. Mm-hmm. Our, our entrepreneurship journey is constantly, hopefully evolving and growing. And with every like new step, um, you need support. And so creating relationships is really important. When I first moved to Florida, I literally felt super alone and like, even in the photography world, I didn't know anybody, but I looked at people that I like looked up to or like their work or, you know, just, and I DM them. And it was so out of my comfort zone, but I was like, can we meet up for coffee and be friends? <laughs> and like yeah. that, that was really important to me because then I could like meet up and just edit with people. And I, mm-hmm. you know, we would start second shooting for each other. And that relationship, those relationships are really important because yeah. the last thing you want is to feel alone or isolated and like, yeah. You know, it is a crazy world of just running your own business. And so that's one thing is put yourself out there, create relationships with people. Sometimes you just have Instagram friends and those have changed my life, like literally changed my life. And so, uh, put yourself out there and create some of those connections. You never know what will come of it. Okay. So if we jump to the next, um, this is just like a small topic that I wanted to cover, but for people that like are already full time, um, what are like some like practices or routines that you do like working from home that just make it more enjoyable or like easier for you? Oh, I like that. I am not the most structured person you'll ever meet. (laughs) But what's interesting about working for yourself is it really forces you to, it really reveals, I should say, your strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. I am, I have grown and changed so much since owning a business because you really like come to terms with who you are, who you want to be and how you want to like get to the next like better version of yourself. And, and working from home is no joke because you're surrounded with distractions. You're like, you can be really, really driven, but you're always like, tempted to like be lazy or just mm-hmm. like flow, which is completely me. Like I'm very type B. And at the end of the day, I still want to like be better and be more organized. And what's really hard to be completely honest is when you have work at your fingertips all the time, it's really, really hard to separate. And mm-hmm. probably some people listening already really know that struggle, whether you work from home full-time or it's just part-time and you're like constantly wanting to work on your business and like edit and emails, like it's always there. Yeah. And so there was a time in my business where I have had a really unhealthy relationship with work, um, overworking, just not having boundaries. And 
some part of me is like, I think we sometimes just have to learn the hard way. Like everyone has to learn sometimes the hard way of what setting those boundaries looks like for you. Mm -hmm. For me, waking up in the morning needs to be like Ashton time. Like (laughs) I don't check my DMs. I, and I'm not saying I'm good at this, but it (laughs) helps me to set those boundaries where I don't check emails. Um, I don't scroll right away. Like Mm -hmm. I do things that fill me up as a person because we're people before we're business owners. Like we're humans. We long connection. We long for community and um, whatever really fills you up. I think starting that day with like calm and quiet um, and reflection or, you know, just not thinking and diving into work has been really, really important for me. Um, Trying your best to set work hours or trying your best to like you know, give yourself time off. If you're about to shoot a wedding on Saturday, like you deserve to take some of Friday off Yeah, one day. And that's really, (laughs) really hard Mm -hmm. because always there and there's always more to do and improve on. And, you know, all of that can just be really difficult to separate, but I encourage people who are full-time keep fighting for those boundaries because you are the more that we're better humans, like the better business owners we are and they go so hand in hand and they're really impossible to separate. But the more that I've worked on myself, um, and those boundaries and like, you know, I just become a better like business owner as a result of taking time for myself and prioritizing my wellness, um, over like getting back to people like right away in the morning or just that, that suck hole of business that's always at your fingertips, um, yeah. doing your best to separate that. Also, another random tip is just trying to get out of the house like once or twice a week, um, change up your scenery, work at a coffee shop. Yeah. That helps me like kind of get out of a funk too. Mm-hmm. If I heard feel like, you know, cabin. Yes. Tea. You just have to go to like a really cute, trendy coffee shop. Yes. That's like such my vibe. <laughs> yes. yes. Get out and do yeah. something different. It's hard because like you work so that you like can have a better life, right? Like you're working so that you can have like more fun after work. But like as photographers, we're so passionate about our work and we tie ourselves so closely to our work that it's like that work like is fun. But then it's like, when are you not working? If you're like constantly thinking about it, um, which, you know, it just can be really toxic. Like, oh, I'm, I want to watch a movie, but I'll just edit while I watch a movie. Like, yeah, like no big deal. (laughs) It's really hard to be fully present. And I have like genuinely struggled so much with this. Like I have friends who like, will tell me like, we were over and you were editing. And I'm like, "Ah, that's so embarrassing because the fact that I can't just like be fully present with my husband or like when friends come over or, you know, just going over to someone's house and feeling like I still have to check on things or like reply to people. It's like, no, you, you set the priority and you set the boundaries of like your time as a business owner and a friend and a wife or a mom or whatever, you know, fill in the blank. Um, it's a really hard lesson to learn and I am by no means perfect at it, but I value continuing to fight for that because that's where burnout happens. When you are just so sucked in and you're overworking yourself and you don't have any free time, you kind of lose yourself to your work. And no, that's not why we started this. We want to have freedom, at least for me. Like the reason I never want to go back to another job is because I love my freedom and I never want to give that up. And I have my own schedule, 
but it's kind of a juxtaposition where you have to separate and, and keep those two things separate as much as possible. And it's mm-hmm. kind of an uphill battle, <clears throat> but it's worth, it's like, to me, I have seen the worthwhile work. Like when I put in time to separate and create those boundaries, like I am a better person and then I'm yeah. excited to keep working. And I have that continued energy and passion for my business, as opposed to being like, wow, I have worked seven days a week and for the last four weeks and I'm exhausted and now I hate my life. (laughs) Yeah. That's not worth it. So yeah, fight that fight and it's, it's worth it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like something that would be helpful and I don't even do this, but I feel like I might start doing this is to like set work hours. Like you were talking about, like maybe that's nine to five, maybe for you, like that's eight to four or whatever, but you literally set those hours and then you communicate that to your clients, which is something that I don't do, but I feel like would be good is if like, right when they book you, like, just let them know, like, I'm here for you between eight to four. If you reach out after four, I'll get back to you the next day around eight or nine, you know, but like on the communication, like if you have office hours, put that in your email signature and no yeah. one's going to like question that. It's just when you constantly make yourself available to anyone and everyone, then mm-hmm. they expect you to be available at 10 PM and they're going to text you and cross those boundaries and frustrate you. But it's like, it really comes down to you and how you present yourself as a business owner. Yeah, totally. Um, so let's switch gears a little bit. I want to talk about booking. Um, because you were mentioning about how you booked 18 weddings, which is great. And I feel like you are like a booking queen, um, like go off queen. (laughs) So, um, what are some like techniques or strategies that have helped you get more clients? I know that's very like generic and broad, but like, I want it to be like generic because you can answer however you want. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So I've worked kind of hard the last couple of years to track how people find me and how I've been booking um, which comes, it really pushes me to be organized. Cause I'm like, okay, when did they reach out? When did they, mm-hmm. book me? what was their, like, what, how did they find me? Basically, I would say based on my statistics, <laughs> that are unofficial, <laughs> um, I'm about 40 to 50% found on Instagram, mm-hmm. uh, probably another 40, I'm probably 40% Instagram, 40 to 50% word of mouth and, um, referrals. And then another 10% like Google or, you know, just something random. Yeah. Um, so what my advice would be is figuring out where are people finding you is so important and really asking like, how can I show up on those, you know, show up if it's Instagram, like really strong, Um, how can I learn to be better on Instagram? How can I market myself better, um, serve my audience better? Because if that's where they're finding me, I want to be like giving that a time and attention. Yeah. I'm also booking a lot from referrals. So what that means is I'm making an impact in person, whether it's, uh, past couples or planners, um, could be florists, could be other videographers or photographers. Mm-hmm. That impact is so, so important. And to me, that is actually a huge source of my bookings is um, making an impression, serving those people really, really well. It is like the core and heart of my business is that I serve everyone I can come into contact with. Obviously my clients are like 
a priority, but a really close second is the other vendors who put their hard work and time into doing their job really well. And honestly, just how can I provide them really, really killer photos to use for free at their disposal? That's Mm -hmm. my work, but it's also their work. Like they don't, they don't have a professional camera. And if they're posting my work and people are seeing me, um, that's, that's a benefit for me. If I'm offering my photos freely and quickly, that is a benefit for me. I have made an impression on a cake baker locally to me because I asked her prior to the wedding, like, can I, can I get any extra photos for you? You know, I'm going to do my best to just like capture what you've done. Mm -hmm. Um, anything extra, like, let me know. And she was like, she was like, Ashton, I've done thousands of weddings and no one has ever emailed prior to the wedding asking that. And it's like incorporating really, really amazing customer service and relationship in your local market goes so far. And it's really, really not that hard. This is what's (laughs) funny is like photographers are honestly the whole wedding industry. It's not that hard to stand apart by going the extra mile because not that many people are doing it. Like it's crazy just being a quick responder to, you know, the planner or um, other people and, Mm -hmm. and serving them and getting behind the scenes photos of them, like just going the extra mile, like sending sneak peeks to them as well. Not just your couples. Yeah. It's crazy the impact you can have. And then they remember you. And, you know, obviously that's just like vendor relationships, but making an impact on your clients is also so huge because Mm -hmm. I get a lot of couples come to me saying like, I was a bridesmaid in her wedding um, or so-and-so like you shot so-and-so's wedding and I saw their photos and like they raved about you. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm telling you that's, that's more of how I book than even on Instagram. Right. They're they're pretty competitive um, as far as like how much I book from both, but those are, those are the top two things that bring me bookings. And I also want to say something that just kind of came to my mind when you're like, you're the booking (laughs) queen. (laughs) I want to say that I do not get five inquiries a day. I do not get even 10 inquiries a week. Like Mm -hmm. the people that find me, I feel like I I get a little bit, or maybe compared to some people who are constantly like getting inquiries, which I'm like, wow, good for you. I just want to normalize it. Like not everyone has that. Um, I think my pool of inquiries is more niche and probably stronger and they're stronger leads. And Mm -hmm. so as much as you can really like narrowing down your, um, the voice of your business and your brand and getting strong leads. Like that's why I can book a lot of the smaller pool of leads that I get. Does that make sense? No. Yeah. That totally makes sense. Like your, your inquiries are stronger because you kind of narrow it down on your website, like through the whole process, they start on Instagram, then they go to your website and you like explain on your website very clearly the types of like, you know, like your vibes and stuff. And so if someone's not vibing with you, they're not going to inquire. Um, yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah. And I'm good at that. Like I would rather have like super strong leads always coming at me than opposed to like spending hours and hours a week responding to people who are price shopping or mm-hmm. going to ghost me or like, you know, there's not that, that strong connection already built. Mm-hmm. And so I just remember being like really insecure about that when people <laughs> be like, 
my inquiries, I got like six today and I'm like, what? Right. But then how many are going to book, you know? Yes. Yes. So when, you know, I do have consistent booking and, um, I'm never stressed about it. I think having a mindset of like, what's meant to be for me will be, and that has changed my business. Um, there are not often a lot of weddings that don't book me that I'm super, super bummed about. Mm -hmm. And that has taken me shifting my mindset to say like, there's something else for me, whether I'm meant to be free that weekend for my family or like a trip away. Like I'm not going to be heartbroken when I don't book something. Cause it just truly wasn't meant to be like the people I'm meant to book. I will book. Yeah. And that gives me a lot of freedom when couples I might connect really well with still like go another direction. I think just opening yourself up to like what's meant to be will be, and it flows and yeah. it's so much less heartbreaking to like not make a, you know, not book a client that you're excited about. And that still mm-hmm. happens. Like I get really excited about something and they're like, Oh, we're like going another direction. It's like, okay. I just have yeah. that freedom in my, in my heart. Like mm-hmm. that really opens me up to be like, it wasn't meant to happen. And the right, right. one come along. Yeah. So, like that has changed my whole outlook on bookings as well. Yes, absolutely. And you kind of have to like, like the mindset that you're talking about, like you can't, get to a point where you have to like beg people to book with you or like you feel like you have to convince people that you are the one like there there comes a certain point where it's like self-respect you know like those people like they're gonna book someone that they connect with and if they connect with another photographer before you like that's great for them and like you're saying yeah someone someone else is gonna come along on that day or you know maybe you just will need a break. Yeah. Maybe you get a beautiful weekend off that you really didn't know eight months ago that you were going to need. Um, something, yeah. Something you just said reminded me like also addressing, um, inquiries with the viewpoint of like, am I the best person for this wedding? Mm-hmm. And can I serve them the best that they can also really freeze you up? Like if you just have like a gut feeling, this probably isn't for me, like let them go and don't force it. Don't like do all you can to keep a client in the palm of your hand. It's really not meant to be Mm -hmm. because we probably all also booked people. We're like, Ooh, I kind of regret this. I had a bit of a feeling and I I tried to control like making it happen because I just wanted the money. And it's like, as much as you can, like let those people go and you Mm -hmm. will not freaking regret it. Like, right. There are just certain things that are not worth the money as hard as that is to say. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, just that whole freedom and like letting the right ones come and the wrong ones go is, it's incredible what it does. Yeah, totally. So if someone reaches out to you and you think that you're not a good fit for them, how would you um, go about telling them that or communicating that with them in a kind way? <laughs> you mean like maybe after we've already um, had yeah. a call or something? Yeah. Right. Uh, I would probably just, you know, it really does take like kindness and honesty and you can do both of those things in a professional manner by just saying like, I really, really value like your time and getting to know you. I, I, believe that like someone else out there is going to be better fit to serve you guys and, and meet you where you're at with, you know, your wedding. Um, maybe you have, and hopefully you have some people you could refer. Um, that's not always the case. You don't always want to like pawn off people to like, your yeah. friends, but 
aren't a good fit, but um, <laughs> doing your best to like direct them is, is really valuable. Cause that's still like an act of service. That's still mm-hmm. trying to give them something to move forward with rather than just like cutting them off. Right. But you know, really taking time, getting a second set of eyes on that email might also be nice. So you're yes. not the only one writing it, but I have those people in my life who are just honestly better at writing out professional things than I am. And yeah. I'm like, like check this email and then they completely revise it for me. I'm like, oh, that was so much better. Yes. Um, yeah. Just <laughs> okay. being professional and kind. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so back to booking a little bit. Um, do you like limit how many bookings that you have per year? And if so, like why or why not? Yes. So like I said, that first full year of being full-time was 18 weddings and that was really doable. Um, I don't even know the most I've booked in a year. I think like pushing like 30 or 31 maybe. And that's a lot. Um, my ideal, if I could like always have it my way would be one to two a month, because that's just how I've felt like I have appropriate amounts of time off. Um, I have time for rest and like friends and people and like family time. However, everyone has like busy seasons and off season, most likely. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it doesn't always pan out where I get like two a month perfectly. So there are certain things that help me know, like, can I take another booking for that month? Um, one, I out sometimes outsource my editing because I always have like a delivery date goal for every single wedding. And I never want that to be late. Um, I deliver on their one month anniversary and as much as possible, like I keep that for myself because one, it keeps me on top of editing without like getting lazy about it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes in busy season, like I do take on three, sometimes four months. And that just means I'm going to be outsourcing and I'm completely comfortable with that because they're still going to get their gallery when I've promised it. And, um, I'm not overworking myself. So it really has to fluctuate based on what season I'm in. Um, and at the end of the day, I still prioritize like my service and my, you know, customer experience for every couple. And so overbooking yourself, you know, it really comes back to like those work boundaries. If you're overbooking, you're, you're going to be like kind of your soul sucked out because you're, you know, you still have to keep up with like regular management of your business and editing client communication. You might have travel and, that's also something like when going full time, you kind of have to find like what rhythm works for you. And for me, limiting my bookings is absolutely necessary because I don't want to be like a bad business owner because things have slipped through the cracks because I have too much going on. So for me, I'm really happy with like 20 to 25 ish weddings a year. And however that kind of like pans out, Mm -hmm. it just, you know, it really comes down to like, do I need to outsource? And I'm, I'm comfortable with that. And I'm confident that that's what my business needs in, in like peak times, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So then with engagement sessions, um, how do you incorporate that also into your schedule? So you're not overbooking with engagement sessions too. Uh, I have had to make a decision where 
they need to book me on a weeknight. Um, when I have a wedding free weekend, the last thing I want to do is go shoot an engagement session on a Sunday night. So I have just communicated and made that a priority for me where it's like, if we have an engagement session scheduled, um, what night of the week works best for you? Um, maybe there's an exception if like they're out of town and they're going to like fly in or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's just a boundary that I've had to set where if I am shooting a session, it's a weeknight so that my free wedding weekends are truly free and they're my, it's my time and my family time. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That does, that makes sense too, especially, um, kind of like the best time, at least where I live to take photos for like just sessions in general is always going to be like at night. So most people are going to be free on a Monday to shoot at seven o'clock because they're not working anyway. And it's the best time for lighting. So I feel like personally, that shouldn't be a big deal. Like people should be able to do that. So yeah, yeah. you have to communicate it like, Hey, my, my days for engagement sessions are Monday through Friday because weddings are set apart or weekends are set apart for weddings. So you make it work. They'll make it work. They'll take yeah. an hour off work. If this gets early or whatever. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to talk, um, real quickly about social media, um, for, for those who aren't familiar with Ashton, she has quite a large following on social media. Um, and so I wanted to kind of talk about like, I guess how that's affected your bookings and your business. I know you talked about Instagram being a main source of bookings, but, um, yeah, like how has that affected, um, I guess your business in general. Social media is so funny because <laughs> you can really get caught up in the numbers. Um, something that, I learned really early on as much as my Instagram was growing. And like I said, in the beginning, like I was really myself and I was really present and showing a lot of my life and, and business behind the scenes. And that was really engaging back when like the algorithm didn't really exist. It was like peak time to grow my, yeah. my Instagram and <laughs> it happened for me. Um, and what I learned early on is that it doesn't matter like what number of people are following you or how many views you're getting on your stories. How can you serve the people that are watching you? Mm -hmm. Um, and making that the way that I address and view social media has really, really helped my business one in bookings because especially in the beginning, getting your feet wet in weddings, um, how can I serve people who are going to get married and how can I show up in a way that makes, I have had a lot of couples book me specifically the bride will say like, I feel like I already know you. Mm -hmm. And what that did was create a connection that I didn't even know was happening that set me apart for them to want to book me. Mm -hmm. And that is really stinking powerful. Um, and so I think in the beginning that really shaped my presence on social media for people to be excited to book me because I was myself and I shared a lot and I wasn't afraid to show my face, you know, that face, that face to face connection, even though it's through a screen is yeah. like such a priority. And it has to be something that you get over the fear of. If you are scared of that, mm -hmm. it gets easier as you go on. Um, and then as I transitioned into education, it became like, how can I serve people with stuff that's for free that I'm not selling like in a genuine way that's going to help them. And so, um, that also really helped me bring in more of like a photographer based audience because yeah. I'm passionate about that. And I love mm -hmm. sharing. 
Um, last year I did a lot of what I called coffee talks where I would just like make my coffee in the morning and put the camera on me and like share a tidbit of education that I knew was going to benefit. And I did that super consistently for like months. Um, and it just creates this, like this no like and trust connection, which you have to have with your audience, um, where people know about you and then they start to like you, um, based on like what content you're giving and then they would trust you. So whether you're in education or just trying to book more clients, like approaching your social media with, um, that no like trust vision is so, so vital getting your name mm-hmm. out there, um, you know, being seen and, and that really can be traced back to like the whole vendor connection and client experience you give to other people. If you're providing your photos to a lot of people who are going to tag you, that's exposure, which is that no category. They're going to know I exist and they're going to find me. Then I'm going to be present and they're going to see my face and my personality and they're going to like me Mm -hmm. and I'm going to offer them value. And that's the trust. And like, they have to go through that progression before they're ready to book you or, you know, invest in you. And so that's going to have to be a constant flow. Um, and it's not, but it it doesn't start often on social media. It starts that in-person, uh, connection with your market and things like that. Mm -hmm. But I hope that helps just because that changed how I approach social media is getting seen and being available and offering valuable things to the people who are watching me, because you can have a lot of people following you and have a lot less people actually seeing your stories, which is the case for me. But those yeah. people who do see me, I want it to be with purpose. I want to be myself. I want to be, you know, relatable and connect, connect with them and serve them without always trying to like sell, sell, sell. Like yeah. I, I want that connection to be authentic. Yeah, absolutely. That's something that I've also found with my social media is just creating value for my audience. Um, just kind of like a safe space to, you know, where I talk about things going on in my business, but also like, I, I like to kind of hear the people that are following me, like their input on things. And just like, you know, you, you actually feel like, you know, people like I follow tons of people that I feel like I actually know them. And like, if they go and, you know, have a baby or something, I am like, you know, I feel like I'm an aunt, which is, that's just such a good social media, um, strategy and just like a good way to utilize your business, um, on social media is creating that connection. Um, yeah. So I'm just, this is me just, you know, saying yes, agreed. I totally, yes. (laughs) Um, so this is kind of, um, a little off topic, although I feel like it's a little on topic. Um, but I don't, I don't know exactly how you're going to answer this. Um, so I noticed you have like a few posts that went viral, correct? Like, you know, like Facebook viral or just like got really popular in the photography community. It, is that true? Like there's a few? Yeah, probably. I'm thinking of one on Facebook and then, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, I thought so, but I was like, I'm not completely sure. Um, so did those have an impact on your business? Because I feel like going viral is such a trendy thing right now. So does that actually impact your business and should photographers focus on going viral? Because like, is that substantial in the long run? I love that question. Okay. (laughs) So I haven't. Yeah. Okay. My answer is a little two part. One, 
it shouldn't be the goal. I, my answer is two part in the sense that like, yes and no, Mm -hmm. I don't believe it should be the goal because I remember trying to get featured in like 2018, 2009. Like I, I was tagging all the feature accounts. I'm like, yeah, I want to be seen. I want to be seen. But if your audience isn't other photographers who are following those accounts, like it's truly a waste. They're not going to be booking you. And so pointless. The only thing it might bring is like more followers, but if your target audience is not photographers, which for a lot of people, it's not, it isn't doing you any good. Mm-hmm. If your target market is couples, brides, like that is where you need to pour your energy into and you can have things go viral and that's great. But asking yourself, like, who is this bringing in is super, super important. Um, those times I've gotten featured, I can tell you, I have never had, from what I know, a client find me and say, this is because you were featured on uh, June bug weddings and I booked you. Now there are people who have been featured and booked from that. Personally, I have never booked from being on a blog, being, you know, my posts getting reposted. And I just remember like wanting that so bad and looking back and be like, what a waste of energy. Mm -hmm. Um, in the other sense, if you have like a really strong social media presence and strategy, going viral can bring in the right people, but they still have to go through that no like trust progression. And so you might not see a conversion to a booking for a long time until they know, like they've gained kind of that like online relationship with you. Mm-hmm. And so my two part answer is it really depends on who you're trying to target. And if it's not the right people, then going viral literally doesn't do much for you. Yeah. Um, if you do go viral, then have your strategy in place and be really killing it and showing up and being yourself and bringing in value and connection with your audience. And then yes, you probably will book from that and have, um, you know, more clients come because of that. So for me, I can't really say that it it benefited my business a ton. When I shifted to more education, my content was a lot more for photographers and some of those like reels or whatever, yes, have gone viral. Mm -hmm. Um, but say that I've like booked a lot of money from that is not accurate. Right. Yeah. A thousand percent. I feel like I was asking that question because I wanted you to answer that way <laughs> because a, a lot of people are so focused, especially on feature pages. Um, when I meet up like with mentor calls with people, I tell them to do hashtags on their posts, but like do not do feature hashtags because it's just a waste of space in your hashtags. Yeah. It's a waste of space and it's, it's fun. Like, I'm not going to lie. The first time, like people reposted me on a really, really big accounts. I was like, ah, oh, that's so fun. And then like, And then it really means nothing. It's like Mm -hmm. other photographers follow that, not brides or, you know, couples. So, um, it's really looking at like, what's the purpose of why I want that. And oftentimes that just kind of reveals like a part of me that I was like, Ooh, that was kind of like an ugly desire. Um, and it's going to do me a lot of good. So yeah, Yeah. good question though. I'm glad we're on the same page about this. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. So, um, for like, since we're talking about social media, um, I'm thinking specifically about people that might have like 
less followers than they want. So maybe they're just starting out. Um, how can someone with less followers still use social media to grow their business? If you have 400 people following you, I want you to imagine being in a conference room with 400 people and it just visualize standing up in front of them mm. and being like, Oh my gosh, yes. that's so many people. Yeah. If I know how to communicate my value and strengthen my brand and my brand voice and how many of those people would choose you for their photographer? Like that is so powerful. Mm -hmm. And it's, I don't want to say like, it's easy for you and I, because we have grown our social media, but I mean it like 20,000 of my followers could go away because they're never going to book me and they're not bringing value even to me. And like, I could still be successful because the way that you view your business cannot solely be numbers attached, which is yeah. incredibly hard to do. Mm -hmm. It's so tough to look around you and feel like you're constantly in the rat race. I've been there. I've had a lot of followers and still feel like I was in a rat race. And at the end of the day, you have to look inward and see like, what am I doing with the people that are already following me? How am I serving them? And how am I showing up to better my business? Because it does not matter the number attached to your page, but I understand the desire to grow and be seen by more. And that is valuable. You mm -hmm. just have to look at like, what is your intention to want to get more people? Mm -hmm. um, because there have been points where I'm like, are people not like inquiring with me because they think I'm like too busy because they think right. I'm just like, you know, there's like this funny place where I'm like, I don't, am I, do people like view me as not available? And also I know people with a hundred thousand followers and they struggle to book. Yeah. We have to stop associating like a following with like the success of your business. Like mm -hmm. I, show me your bank account, like show me your profit, you know, and that is where like someone's true, like success or whatever you deem as success mm -hmm. is going to be found. Yeah. There are people with like 800 followers that I've done coaching with and they are nonstop booking because they yeah. have found their niche. They have found their voice and they are marketing to exactly the people that they want to be booking and they're doing it. And so yeah. there just has to be constant work on yourself and your mindset of like, it doesn't matter the number it's, am I serving the people I want to book more of and really trusting that like that momentum will grow, but you have to put in the consistency time and time and time again. And yeah. And that takes a lot of work. I mean, social media is a lot of work. There are so many people, there's so much noise, there's so much overstimulation, but yeah. the more that you can pinpoint exactly who you want to book, you know, and I, I talk about this in my business courses and in coaching, it's like, you can't do it all. You can't mm -hmm. want to book weddings and have a website full of portraits and families. And, you know, like you, you can't do it all because then you're like, a master of none. Jack of no. all trades, a master of none, right? Yeah. So if you want to do boudoir, like kill it at boudoir and market that and mm -hmm. have a website and a process and a customer experience solely for that. And now yeah. you are the niche person who's going to take care of that inquiring boudoir client. Yeah. Um, so 
same with your social media. If you're all over the place doing it all, you're not, you're not presenting yourself as I'm the master of this thing. And I think with weddings, it's a big deal. And so if you can present yourself as I am a wedding photographer, I kill it at weddings. I serve wedding clients. I live, breathe, market, shoot weddings. Like Mm -hmm. then people are going to trust you more because you're not just like spread thin all over the map. Yeah. I don't even remember your original question. I'm more. <laughs> no, it was, it was about if you have less followers, how do you grow your business? And that's, yeah, it's exactly, yeah, you answered it perfectly. Um, especially with someone that like has, you know, like maybe a hundred followers or like a couple thousand. Like, I still think that's so powerful. Um, when I had 1500 followers, I was completely booking out my year. Um, and now I have 50,000 and I'm still completely booked, but it's not like, you know, it's not like a huge drastic change in bookings has occurred. Um, which is good. Yeah. It just goes to show that, um, numbers definitely do not mean everything. And I think, um, yeah, it's, it's a hard place to be in, but, um, that mindset shift is really important just for like overall happiness. Um, you know, because we don't, we don't live for, followers you know we live for our own life connecting with people in real life um so yeah you don't want to be like I don't want to live in a place where I'm constantly feeling like I need more or want more or I'm Mm -hmm. unhappy until I have this amount yeah um I really like wrestled with the idea of like I don't know that I want a lot more. It's like funny because I love making reels. And like, I think you and I have loved that and it's brought in a lot of followers, Yeah, but I'm like, I want to stay, I want my business to stay at a place where like, yes, it's credible, but it's also personable and relatable. And mm-hmm. I don't know what that number is, but sometimes I worry, like if, like I know people that I'm like, Oh, I'm never going to reach out to them. Cause I just feel like they're un- untouchable. And so I don't want my online presence to get to a place where it's like, Oh, she's not, she's just like too, it's too much, you know? Right. So it's, it's a funny place where I'm like, I don't want to live in a place where it's never enough. And I'm constantly like, well, I'll be happy when I'm at that point. Mm-hmm. And I want to yeah. stay at a place where like truly people can connect to me as a human. Yeah. Okay. So I personally have been taking a lot of mental notes, um, because this has been a really good discussion. Um, yes, I'm so happy you've been on the podcast. Um, so before we just like straight up and, end this combo, I just wanted to, um, open up an opportunity for you to tell our listeners kind of like what you're up to, what's coming up and like where people can find you all of that good stuff. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you. I'm really like humbled every time people want me to be a part of a conversation mm-hmm. because I don't know it all, but I love to talk about what <laughs> is happening. And so it's like really <laughs> fun. Um, yeah, I'm mainly on Instagram at Ashton Brooke, Ashton with a Y, <clears throat> weird spelling. Um, currently I'm in off season, but I have a lot of like desire to continue with education. Um, so I have a couple online classes that low key, some of them aren't like formally open, but if anyone like reaches out and is like, I want to take this, like I always give people access to them because, Mm -hmm. um, at the end of the day, like I want people to get help. And so I have like 
from photography 101 classes to um, my business class that you mentioned, Mm full-time formula, and most recently had an editing course that I came out with. Um, I have more classes in the works that I, you know, am in the beginning stages of, and um, yeah, just doing like one-on-one stuff with people who reach out and, um, that's pretty much what I'm up to yeah. besides enjoying off season and giving myself time that I deserve to rest and not work myself into the ground. So, yes. So it's kind of, right now. yeah, you're just kind of chilling, which is good. Like you should be chilling, you know, it's funny to say, cause I'm like, you know, there's always work to be done, but I'm like, everyone else gets an off season. Like I can too. So exactly. Like you go to the beach, you do it. (laughs) Exactly. Thank you. I received that. Yes. (laughs) Cool. Well, it was great talking with you. Um, and thank you everyone for listening. Um, yeah, it's been good. Expose my mind to clarity. Oh, my spirit shudders. Capture the moment, oh, to keep my sanity The wisdom rushing in So much clearer now Getting a little bit hard